This week's Trust and Believe podcast review comes from Karen. I once reviewed Sean T's podcast in 2016, and he still does not disappoint. Hearing his voice can bring me out of a slump. Not only does he make me want to continue to improve my life, but his guest speakers are also very interesting and inspiring. I've tried several products recommended or invented by these guests. Thank you, Sean T and Team Sean T for all the effort that goes into these sessions. If you want a chance to be featured on next week's Trust and Believe podcast review highlights, be sure to rate and review the Trust and Believe podcast anywhere we're streaming. Somebody say Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. So, without further ado, I want to introduce Alexandra Benetti and Sean T. Come on up, um, I'm so happy to be here today. Thank you Thank so you. much for coming here. We have a big audience. Not just here physically. We literally thought two of you would show up. I don't know if you saw when you got here, we had removed all the chairs because we were like, no one's coming today. People are freaking out. And then so many of you came. So thank you um, for coming and not touching each other. And normally I would take photos and I would hug you and kiss you and the whole nine. For those of you who know me that are here, but... Um, I feel like this is a time where like, I actually want tourists to come to New York because people are so respectful. Like, I feel like I'm in Japan right now. Everyone's like moving away from each other. <laughs> the subway is like so nice. No one's pushing you in the subway. I'm like, this True. is a time to visit New York. They're cleaning the subway. Yeah, everything's clean, like really clean. Like this is New York at its best during coronavirus. It feels like. But anyway, we have a lot of fit pros watching, and I, I first wanted to ask you: Are you a fit pro? Absolutely. I've been a fit pro for since I was 19 years old. So 23 years, 22 and a half years. Um, do you want my definition of a fit pro? I would love that. Okay. Yes. So fitness professionals are, and a lot of you know this, who definitely if you've personal trained or you talk to people after your classes, you are mental and physical fitness trainers. I think that the one thing that fitness professionals need to know that from the foundation of who they are, whether they like it or not, you're going to become a therapist. <laughs> and over the years, it will grow. Um, and fitness professionals are also the most patient people in the world. And fitness professionals are also more important than doctors before people go to the doctor. And so I do all of that every single day. And I love it. What do you think? What do you think is is the value or the role that fit pros play in our industry, in the fitness and wellness industry? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. What's very interesting is when I used to have infomercials on television, you know, before the ad space happened on social media. Uh, I would stop people from eating their chips at night, right? And so I think that our people just seeing you walking down the street, they're walking down the street, they're looking into your studio, uh, they see you with your backpack on, just your physique in general, the way you walk. You inspire people without even saying a word. Like, I want you to think about that for a second. Everyone on your way here, you didn't see it, but the person behind you was extremely motivated and inspired because of the way you walk and the way you carry yourself and the way you think is the way you act and the way you think is the way you walk so and just the foundation of who you are when you wake up every day in terms of what it is that you're going to do which is inspire and enhance people's lives it shows without you even saying a word we're gonna dive way deep into that concept but before we go into that i wanted to ask you Um, You're very open about your childhood, which definitely wasn't easy at all. And I think if if I definitely know your story and I think if people have followed you know your story. But for those who don't, um, I want to acknowledge the fact that it wasn't easy because I think when you see someone successful um, and just so in tune and authentic, you know, with who they are, you assume that it must have been easy to to get there. And so just in a few sentences, what was it like? growing up for Shawnee. Yeah, oh, thank you. You even used the name. So, uh, not to, I'm not going to go too far into this. However, like everyone else, I always say this, and I say this in my book, uh, everyone's in the closet about something. And I actually interviewed Robin Roberts this morning, if you're familiar with her, this amazing woman. Her, the name of her book is Everybody's Got Something. And so, in just a few short words, I was sexually abused from the time I was 8 to I was 12. Like a lot of people, my family was on government assistance to the point where we would go outside in the morning. My mom's car wouldn't even start. And we were like, are we even going to get to school? What are we going to eat? The only thing we had in the house was cheese. So, and a lot of times in my in my childhood, I spent alone in the closet, not necessarily as a hiding from the fact that I was gay, but I literally hid in the closet and I don't know how many people are of the age where they remember the, the little game Light Bright. My buddy were my best friends. And so it just, that just kind of gives you a little idea. My child has spent a lot in the dark with small amount, a small amount of light and something that didn't even respond to me when I spoke to it. So uh, while I never want anyone to go through something like that, it is the definition of from your struggles comes your biggest strengths. And while it was extremely tough, it was crazy to the point where I had to devise a plan to move out of my house at 14 years old. And I, and I made it and I decided to get out of a toxic environment, even though the struggle was extremely tough and real. All of that, to, I'm inspired by Little Shawnee to this day, and I know we might talk about this later, but a lot of people are afraid to visit their past. A lot of your clients or you are afraid to look back at that person that lost 100 pounds. And for me, I'm always like, yo, Shawnee, thank you. I, I still talk to them. People think it's weird. When I tell people I talk to my, my past self, they're like, what? That's weird. And I'm like, good. Like, I'm going to be weird, and I don't, I don't care. Because that's the strongest person I know. Just like the client that lost 50, 60, 70 pounds, the person who started on day one is way stronger than the person today. 
physically, it's one thing. When we go to a dumbbell now, we do, you know, reciprocating curls or if we use bands, like Andy was my band guy in T25. Um, if we use bands, like we go into it and we're like, I got this. But imagine the person who steps into the gym the first time and they have zero confidence. They can't even trust their coordination, right? Like these or whatever you've went through or whatever you're in the closet about, if you will, it's the strongest person you'll ever know because you're constantly pushing forward. And so that's what I took away from my, my childhood, if you will. Is that, is, is that sense of kind of fighting, you know, you're almost like the anti-martyr, like if things didn't happen to you, just grab them and you use them as fuel. Is that, do you think, your DNA or is that something that people can practice being more that way? Uh, it's really awareness because what self awareness because what a lot of people do is when they go through something they try to bottle it down just like in relationships I'm sure a lot of people in relationships they have something they want to say to their spouse but they're like I'm not going to say it 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 and then the intimacy stops and then the communication stops and then all of a sudden one day there's this crazy blow up from something that you didn't acknowledge before. And so for me, it's about constantly being aware and speaking to yourself and just to go a little bit further. And this is not necessarily about (laughs) coming out, but it is my story in terms of, for me, the first person I came out to was myself. And so you asked, was it a part of my DNA? I think that growing up as a person, a gay guy, you know, I was a gay guy that played football that was, you know, and I'm not bragging, but you and basketball, I scored 26 points a game. I was a, I was the anchor leg in my 4 by 4 meter track. You know, I was state champion. Like, I, like, all of this stuff, but still being in the closet, I had to actually sit on my bed one day, the edge of my bed, and I was like, you have to accept the fact that you're gay. And then I walked to the bathroom, and the first person I told I was gay was myself. I mean, I looked in the mirror, I was like, you're gay. You're gay. <laughs> you're gay. No, 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 like, you're really gay. And so, originally, I know it sounds crazy, but that's how, really, through that struggle, I was able to, I, for me, it's so, not easy, it's not always easy. I'm not going to say that everything is easy, or talking to my husband about something that's really tough is easy. I'm not saying it's easy. What I, could, what I do is connect to the tougher things that happen in life, and so it becomes easier because I was aware and because I practiced it. Saying it, maybe to yourself first, is kind of the first step to to self-awareness yeah because um it's really easy to hide yeah it's very it's easy to do that believe it or not it's very easy but showing who you really are is 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 the tougher part Mm -hmm. because you know we were just kind of having a conversation about social media and some people think like you or whomever else they they see somebody with a million followers and they're like oh my gosh that's so great but, like, if I pull out my phone right now, and if you see how many people unfollowed me in the last seven days, like, if I get 3,000 people that follow me, at least twelve to 1,500 unfollow me. But for me being 100% authentic to who I am, so I, I, I'm, I'm like, cool, like, bye. You know what I mean? Like, I'm good. And it's not even because it, my account or my social media continues to grow. I'm more happy with the fact that I continue to be who I am authentically. How did you come into fitness? So I know you were a choreographer. You know, like what's that story like? So this is probably going to be the longest I talk at one point, but it's important for me because I believe that 
a lot of people see the insanity Sean T and they think, oh, he got this deal with Beachbody and like he was on TV and he had this, you know, multi-billion dollar company behind him. And that did happen, but that's the tip of the iceberg. So before I begin, I want you to even think about your life and more more important right now your 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 profession, but more importantly your life. We're we're all like icebergs. People only see 10% of who you really are, maybe. The other 90% is under the water. Like think about your life. If you if I ask people who just generally see you when they walk into your your studio or wherever you work, they're going to be like, oh, this person, yeah, he or she is really nice and this and that. And you could probably say you don't even know the half of it, right? And I believe anyone in here can say that. So my fitness journey, number one, it started out with me looking in the mirror when I was a sophomore in college and realizing I gained 50 pounds. And I hated the way I looked. And Just more, from like eating unhealthy or what? Yeah, so I, we talked before how... So I'm going to have so no, many questions. Get specific. I, I don't know this story, so I'm just like sitting here watching a movie. I tell you, so talk. here's the thing, everyone, and I'm just going to be very transparent here. It's hard for me to tell these stories because I'm like, I hope, I hope they're not bored because I've heard myself tell the story a lot, but a lot of people don't. So I'm just going to go there. And if I'm talking too long, just raise your hand and I'll continue to talk. <laughs> but, so I'm going to start there. So when I, I got a scholarship to college. I got a scholarship for track and field and academics. I asked my mom, which one should I do? She said, do academics because if you know, if you hurt yourself, you'll still be able to run later and you won't lose your scholarship. Cool. So that, on top of the fact that you go to college and you have a food card, and I don't, I'm not on food stamps anymore. So I'm like, I got a food card. I can eat whatever I want. I can get Domino's at 12 at night. You know what I mean? I was like going in, you know, literally going in. It was going in. And um, simultaneously, though, I'm starting to become one with my sexuality, right? I'm... I'm the more I eat, the less I think that girls are going to be attracted to me. They still were, though. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, I licked the mic. Don't worry. Keep your tongue in your mouth. So, um, that's, that's, I'm telling I'm tell you the whole story. So, anyway, so that's how, you know, for me, that is the beginning of how I started to gain a weight, right? <laughs> She's shaking her head. She's like, you crazy. Yes, I am. So, but then, you know, I woke up that one day. And I was like, what? You know, I went from a 178-pound, 400-meter anchor leg that was running a 48-400 to 228 pounds of just not being happy with who I was. So that same day, I walked out of my residence hall. I was an RA at the time, actually. And I went to the rec center, and I got on the treadmill, and I ran for 10 minutes. But at 70 minutes, I mean, seven minutes, I was like, oh, my gosh, like I'm, I'm going to die. So I only ran, I think I did that for two weeks. I only ran 10 minutes a day. And then I, I started to conjure up the, uh, the confidence to walk into the weight room. I, I remember the first day I went to the weight room, the, the door was there, and I stepped, and I was like, no, I'm not going in there. Yeah, I was so uncomfortable, which is so weird because I had done sports since I was six years old. But I was still going through this process of, like, seeing who I was, believing with who I was. Anyway, cut to, I started working out more, and then I ended up changing my major from uh, communications to sports science. I wanted to be like Anderson Cooper when I went to school. <laughs> but I changed my major, and so the first thing I heard in my, one of my very first classes was that you have to be able to teach 
group fitness. And I was like, okay. At the same time, there was a, in one of my residence halls, there was a, um, they did a resident, uh, just kind of like a program where it was the grind workout. I don't know if anybody remembers the grind workout. It was the MTV grind workout with Eric Nice. It was like the cast. It was a cast of the real world. And I thought Eric Nice was hot. I was like, I'm doing this, whatever. So anyway, anyway, I stole his choreography. And I went to the director of... His workout. Yeah, his workout. But yeah. I, I actually went to the director of the fitness center, the rec center, and I said, I want to teach a class. She was like... What do you want to teach? I was like, I want to teach a hip hop class. She was like, Have you ever taught before? I was like, No. But like, I was like, But her? I can dance. You like, literally, her? like that. And she was like, Do you know her? I didn't know. I didn't know her. You just came up. You just like flat out came. I up just to walked her. into the rec center and I was like, Excuse me, ma'am. I want to teach a class. I was like, I want to teach a class. And so she was like, But you know, in college, you know, they really support students. Like our our school was really great. So she was like, Okay. She was like, Okay, we'll. We can do that or whatever. She's like, we'll set aside a time. But I was involved in like a lot of building programs and like school programs. So I, I literally went around to people. I was like, I'm teaching a class at the rec center. I'm teaching a class at the rec center. I mean, imagine 19-year-old me was a lot. But um, <laughs> so I'm thinking, you know, but I'm like thinking going like. going around being like, I'm teaching a class this Saturday at 10. Yeah, I would come, go to all come. like the frat parties and the sororities. And I would tell everybody. And I was always in the middle of the circle in the dance whatever at a party anyway so you know i was just like i can dance i had zero fear because i was just like you know you're young so i was just like all right we just gonna come in the room and dance but i had stole this choreography from the grind workout anyway <laughs> so i show up at the i show up at the uh the rec center and i'm standing outside and i see a couple people you know just kind of going in and i go in and tina comes up to me because the it is packed it is like tons of people and she was like there are 90 people here she's like the class only holds 60 you have to do two classes back to back and I was like <gasps> right I didn't plan to do two classes back to back but the first time I ever taught a dance class I had to teach two classes back to back and it was so crazy it was super fun I still remember the choreography <laughs> that, so that that story is important because after that I really got into fitness I really saw how people enjoyed it I enjoyed it it made me feel really good and then I from there Obviously, I got my degree, but I got certified in AFA, ACE. Then, but what happened in that next year, because my dance class was super popular, that class never, like, it was always packed. It was always about 60 people in that class. But from there, the dance department at the school said, hey, you should come minor in dance. So, of course, I go, I get a minor in dance, and then I start choreographing. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, I know I'm talking Because that fast, doesn't but- happen. It's not like the, it's not like... The department comes to you and asks you to minor, and that's not no. It does happen. You want to know why? But because the how does that like how does this shit happen? Because like my choreography was lit, yo. Yeah, no, I'm so kidding. you were no, but no. Really, so what like, happened was some were, of the dance were talking about you. some of the people in the dance department, the dancers that were majoring in dance would come to my class because they didn't have a hip hop class. Got it. So then they came and said, "Do you want to minor in dance?" So then I became a part of the spring dance concert, which then. A lot of people in the community where I lived or where my school was, the dance studios in the community came and they watched that show every year and they would get teachers from the choreographers. So then I started teaching dance in all these different dance studios in the community. So from the time I was a fresh, from the time I was a sophomore to the time I was a senior, 
I was teaching all kinds of fitness classes, and I was teaching. So I was teaching about the most I think I was teaching was twenty one classes a week, just between. Wow. On top of you know my studies, and my mom made me. She was like, "You're graduated with honor." So it was just all that, and then I started running track again. But that's a whole nother <laughs> thing. As a user, as a as a true user of Dry Farm Wines for the last eight weeks, every Friday we have Dry Farm Wines. Mm-hmm. I believe that because there it's organic, because there's low sugar, and because there are no chemicals in this wine, my hangover is non-existent. Non-existent. And for the amount of wine, I mean, you know, obviously we're working out a lot too, but like I don't I don't wake up the next day feeling like the wine blow like in my face. Blown away. I'm not saying it works for everybody. Right. My own personal testimony is as such. And there are some people that I know that I, I see on on the internet. Uh, oh that uh, use a filter when they're pouring their wine into their wine. And I'm thinking to myself, why don't you just have dry farm wines instead of putting your wine through a filter and then being able to drink it, right? Hashtag no filter. No filter. Dry farm wines. <laughs> go to Shant- go to, go to dryfarmwines.com slash Shanti. Deuces. Also within that time, I started to go to fitness conventions. And when I would go to the fitness conventions, this is before social media, this is before MySpace, this is before any of that. I don't even think I had a, knew what a text message was. I would go to these to the fitness conventions and I would take six or seven classes every single day that I was there. I would go to all the workshops. And I started doing that twice a year because it was a fitness convention in Miami and it was one in New York. I'm not sure if you guys were familiar with ECA World Fitness, but that was what the fitness convention that I started with. And then what would happen was because I took these classes religiously, the, the presenters, people like Patrick Adele, Calvin Wiley, Patricia Moreno, uh, uh, Milo, who did Hip Hop Body Shop. I'm saying all these names. Um, Angie Bunch, who did... Uh, Culture Shock Hip Hop, uh, people from Europe, Robert Steinbacher, who did uh, body art training. So it was like all of these people, I would be... The OGs. The, the OGs. So I would be taking their classes. And from there, they would then say, they would see me in their classes all the time, and they would, they would you know, you perform a dance, or you perform a choreography, or they ask you questions, to the point where I actually went to ECA, the, the head of ECA, and I asked her, Carol Scott, I said if I could... Um, be a presenter there and she said yes so then i was i started being a presenter at when ECA. is this this is after college yeah this is probably like a year two year a year or so after college i don't know i'm getting old i can't remember but this is all happened so i just want to say so then i started presenting hey dave yeah randy since we founded bombas we've always said our socks underwear and t-shirts are super soft any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Then when I started presenting, I was actually, I was still presenting, but still taking other people's classes while I was taking, I think it was, um, when I was taking a culture shock hip hop class, I would, I was just taking class in the back and there was a guy who was there at the convention and he was trying to bring someone from the States over to Istanbul, Turkey to build, to open up a new gym and help build the programming for group exercise and personal training. 
So I got this this man hired me. The company hired me from just me dancing in the back of the room and being in all of the classes. I went to Istanbul and I helped open up a new gym. These they didn't even know English, and I had to teach them how to build programming, how to to build their group fitness. And I would do big. I went back. I went twice to two different ones. Uh, so from there. In addition to that, I worked in corporate health. So I was I worked at a pharmaceutical company and a and a and a nuclear power plant. Kind of, I was making twenty two thousand dollars a year, and I was making like I think ECA gave me like three hundred dollars for a class, you know. But wow! So yeah, so I was doing all that anyway. The so five thing, years in, five years. Three, in. I would say three, five years in. Yes. Yeah. You what? What were you making when you first started out? When I was teaching class, I think I was making $12 an hour. But then once I had, like, all these classes in the community, I was like, you know, I'm charging 50 bucks. You know, I was just like, oh, my gosh, you're so ridiculous. That's a ton of work in five years. What is driving you to show up every day? Well, there's a lot of things that are driving me. I mean, I could go super in my past on like how I learned this but I think when your passion meets your purpose is something I read before mm. my passion met my, my purpose in life seriously was to like laugh and have fun like if you hang out with me I love to have a good time I love it I think it, I think if I can laugh as much as possible then I'm enjoying my life and so my purpose you know my passion was to to help people and inspire people and unknowingly, at a young age, I was still, I was actually, in a subconscious way, still trying to run away from my childhood. I was trying to find a place. Like, I was, I was on depression medication, and then I would go to class. I would go to teach my class, and I would feel much better. And the reason I stopped taking depression medication is because I realized that I just had to constantly change my environment. So my whole life was, it was constant work. And I don't want to sound, like, negative, um, it was tough, but I still found ways to smile and laugh and have a good time. Like I refuse to do anything if I'm not having fun. And Alex is here; she's been working with me for eight years. I still don't do anything for money. Like I don't do it for money. I'm like, is it going to serve the people? Is it going to serve my mission? If so, like that's why someone was like, you wouldn't work for fifty dollars. I literally like I had something the other week, and I was like. I will absolutely do this for 50% less than what I do it because I think the impact is going to be major, right? So there are things like that. But talking about the work, just getting back to the work, for me, if I can find a purpose behind what I'm doing, it doesn't feel like work. Yes, it's exhausting. I'm not saying that, but it doesn't feel like work. But you want to say something? But do you remember, you know, that connection or that realization of this is my purpose, this is, you know, this is really fulfilling. Did you have that moment or or throughout the years you were just like, no, this is what I really love. Yeah, so part was when I was when I was saying about the depression medication. I was in a really abusive relationship. I still have like the scars in my body. It was horrible. And I I thought that I was depressed and I was in this state when I really need to change my environment. That's one. And then this is when I realized that fitness and music and being in a group exercise room motivating people was my purpose so and I'm not saying it's because the coronavirus is here but I literally had the flu one day I was in college I, was, I had the flu I remember this day and my friend came over and she was like here's the music for our class she, we talked together 
and I was like, you know, just miserable. I was literally in the flu, and I was sitting on. I'm like, why is she even here to tell me about this stupid music? Because so she turns on the music, and I'm listening to it, and it got to one music where I knew in the class how we were gonna like, like the choreography change, and we were gonna. And I jumped up. I had this. I didn't have the flu for like a minute and a half. <laughs> Cause I was like, oh my gosh! I like ran down the hallway. I was like, oh my god, that is. I didn't say the word sick because it was the word sick wasn't in then. I was like, oh my god, that's so amazing or something. <laughs> but I just remember jumping up and she left and I got sick again. I was like, oh my god, I shouldn't have did that. But I realized that moment of getting that excited, like I literally forgot when I was in the depths of feeling horrible. I was like, I have to, like, I want to do this forever. I was like, I really, really, really want to do this forever in in some kind of way. Are there are there days when you're ever like, I, or throughout your journey, like, I don't want to do this? Have there ever been moments that you like doubt this career? Yes, there are plenty of times where I doubt what I'm doing, and most of the time it has to deal with people, not with what I'm doing. Hmm. It has to deal with relationships and how people, when you get into the contract stage and people on the outside look at you as a product rather than a person that's going to inspire and motivate people and help lift you up. When there's a contract in play, and I realized I had to, you know, I have someone that does that now. I'm not involved in the conversation anymore because it would literally destroy. Hmm. Because for me, like I said, I want to, not that I'm, I can't not have a good time or I can't be serious. Of course I can. But my only, my struggle has never been with fitness. My struggle has never been with motivation. My, stu- my struggle has never been with anything that has to deal with, you know, mental fitness or physical fitness. It's always been with, I feel like, either trying to be taken advantage of or somebody like just not respecting me as a human being or... Or even times where I have people in my workouts and they're trying to pay them nothing Mm. because I take all of that on. So if you ever did something with me, I act as your agent, too, because I'm like, no, they're not showing up for that. And that's the hardest. That's the hardest part for me. Where where and when do you draw that line? You know, I feel like a lot of people, depending on where they are in their careers, you feel like you just have to say yes to everything and and one of your mottos is get outside of your comfort zone, right? Like, push yourself to be uncomfortable. Um, at what point is uncomfortable too far? You know, like when are you giving too much of yourself? Is it a point of your career, or or is it does it start really early on? Yeah. So if you can't show up and be your whole self, it's not for you. Like mm. you just have to think about that. If you can't be your whole self in the space, and that's not to say you don't sometimes have to work through things with people. But if you literally can't, if I can't show up and be Sean, forget the T. <laughs> I actually didn't do that on purpose. But for forget the T, I'm Sean Blocker all the time. Mm. I'll tell you how Sean T came into play because I know you want to know. So Sean T, this is ridiculous. So my last name was born Thompson. I never met my father. He was, uh, he was, um, Adopted, so like I have no idea who my family is really. So Sean Thompson was my name, but I was in a singing group in high school called Creative Nature, and we had to come up with names. And so my 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 singing group was like Sean T. So we walked down the hallway, and from high school I've been Sean T. I just never dropped it. It just sounded so dope, you know. <laughs> so that's how I'm Sean T. But Sean, back to what I was saying. Sean has to be there. If Sean's not there, it's not happening. Yeah. 
Do you know this now, retrospectively, or throughout your career, did you always know? I think intuition, I think you always know. You might not know where to place it, but you know it's happening. I think that you have to really constantly assess what it is that you're going through and not just throw it away, right? You have to, it's okay to finish a meeting or whatever it is that you do and really take a moment to have like some self-reflection and say, is this for me? And be okay with saying no, because no means yes a lot of times. Saying no to something that doesn't serve you or serve the people that you want to serve is saying yes to this amazing thing that's waiting in the wings. And most of the time, I will promise you, the minute you say no to one thing that's not letting you show up your whole self, yes is going to happen as soon as you turn your back to that. Trust and believe. Trust and believe. That's why I have it on my arms. And I know you, so here's the thing, and I'm, I'm going to say, I'm not, I wanted to say this in the very beginning. I didn't come up here to motivate you I, at all. Like, I'm not trying to sell motivation. This is exactly who I am. This is what I believe. This is how I get through things. Even, you know, you can ask Alex. Where's Alex? Somewhere back here. Um, hey, Alex. You know, I had a meeting with her and Scott, you know, not long ago. And sometimes I get so overwhelmed, I'm like, like, should I even be doing this? Because I just, like, I'm so passionate yeah. about what I do. Yeah. And they're like, Sean, calm down. You know? <laughs> like, yes, you should be doing this. You know, I get, I get overwhelmed, too. But this is, it's, this is how I feel. You know, I, I'm so excited. Um, sorry, I took you on a huge No, tangent. I know. It's fine. You were in Turkey. Oh. <laughs> what do you want to know about Turkey? <laughs> My first Turkish no, bath how did it was go? How, how did you go from... <laughs> it was in... You, I got to tell them about this. Because okay. we have to have some fun, too. Yo. So y'all know I'm gay, right? So check this out. So, like, in Turkey, they have this Turkish bath, right? And so you go into this room, and there's this guy standing there. And he's like, take off your robe. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so awkward. And he's like, lay on this, this, um, this thing, this... What is it? Granite thing. And then all of a sudden, like, pours this water on you, and you're I've like, this suds, you know? Too. And you're like, what? But what do you want to know about Turkey? Because that's a whole. No, okay. Thing. So you were in at, East, at ECA, oh, Carol Scott yes. thing. And this guy comes up to you Marachan, and go program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you get from, you know, the conference circuit, teaching all these classes, attending all these classes to insanity? Oh, I told you I was, I knew I was going to go somewhere else. <laughs> So I was doing, I was, I went to Turkey twice, um, went, did some stuff, came back, went again, did some more stuff. But when I came back and I was, um, this this is like, this is just so crazy, but I have to go to when I decided I was going to move to LA, which was off of a crazy whim. I don't have time for that story because that's going to be a long time, but I went to LA to just take dance classes and visit a friend. I decided to take a dance class that was and actually an audition for an agency, but I just walked in there because I was like, all right, this is free. I'm going to take the class. And it was like 200 people there, and they kept like, get, I'd never been to an audition. Like I you wanted to, to get a workout in. Yeah, I was just like, I'm, no, a I was just going to dance. I just, it was a, a choreography. Dance. I was like, I want to yeah. dance. And they, they were kicking people out. And I was like, they were like, you stay. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then they, then I was, we would dance, then we had to do the routine again. And they were kicking people out. And they were like, you stay. I'm like, bye. <laughs> But the thing is, all of these people were like, they were dressed. Like, they had, like, the guys had hats on, the girls had makeup on. I'm from Jersey. I had a hole in my New Balance. They were black New Balance. 
they were old because they were the shoes, the only shoes I could afford to dance in. I had some capri, some <laughs> camouflage type capri pants, and like a sweated out white wife beater. And everyone was looking good, and they kept cutting people and cutting people, and they're like, you stay, you stay. I'm like, okay. So we got down to like, it was like six or seven guys left, and they were like, um, we'll call you in two weeks if we want you to come, you know, dance for us. And I'm like, okay, bye. Like, I put my number down. I was home two weeks later. I was at the laundromat with my quarters, was putting my, and I got this call from Los Angeles, and I was like, who's this? And they were like, this is Clear Talent Group. We want you to dance for us. And I was like, I was like, I totally forgot about it. And I called my mom literally right off the, got, I got off the phone. I was like, Mom, I have to quit my job. I have to do all this stuff. And she was like, listen, if you don't do it, you'll regret. She was like, just go out there and try it. If it doesn't work, she was like, but with you, I know it's going to work, whatever. So I left my job in corporate health two months later. And so when I was moving to L.A., I contacted Carol Scott from ECA. And I was like, hey. I'm going out to L.A. Is there anywhere I can teach? She contacted Equinox in West Hollywood. And right away, not only did she get me a job there, I got paid really well. I immediately started with 10 classes on the schedule simply because of ECA and my work ethic that she saw me in classrooms. And then she hired me. She yeah, saw it's me. way more than just DCA. I mean, you, right? But I'm saying, but she, her, yeah. I'm saying it comes from my work ethic from before. But I'm just saying, you're rela- building that relationship. My relationship, but my relationship not from asking. Mm-hmm. My relationship for showing what I can do. Mm-hmm. There's a difference than being like, "Hey, can you give me this?" And then me have. She never had to say, "Well, what do you teach?" or "What's your style mm-hmm. like?" Or what's your work ethic like? She never had to say that. She immediately contacted me with to Keith Irace, who was at the time, I don't even know where he is now, but immediately at the time. And then, so, you know, so you see what I'm saying? Like, 100%. I, I left out that step. So, yeah, I was working at Equinox, teaching my classes. There was a, um, a Equinox sales, you know, they have the sales, I don't know what they call them, and I don't want to disrespect people. You know, the sales people at Equinox, they walk you around and they're like, um, yeah, see, membership advisor. See, I wanted to make sure. So there was a membership advisor who was, like, super cool, you know, and he was like, oh, you teach class. My friend Kathy Smith needs someone to um, help her develop programming. He was like, do you want to go, ch- go meet her? I was like, yes. Yeah. So I show up. This is a whole other story. I'm not going to make it funny. So I show up to her house. We, she, I actually had to audition for her. And then so I, st- I helped her develop this program called Project U. And... At the, for two months straight, I would teach a class at 6 a, 7 a.m. and then 5 p.m. And it was my first, uh, my first um, experience doing like a test group where a company was like, you know, you see the infomercials, the before and after. I mean, we all do it now, too. But, you know, you see the before and after and you're taking these people on this journey. You see how they're eating. And not only did she I have to help develop the classes, but I helped develop the workouts. So that was also my first time developing workouts that were going to be on DVD. So she also casted me in the DVDs. So I woke up the morning to shoot her DVDs, and I had strep throat. I could not do it. So they had to find somebody last minute. So I never got to shoot. But I did help shoot the infomercial. And so there were Beachbody. It was Beachbody that was shooting an infomercial. I didn't, doing this, I had no idea about Beachbody. I knew that we were doing food and before and afters. I didn't know what Beachbody was. I had no clue. Until the infomercial, I was like, oh, this is like 
something on TV. I was like, whatever. Still went back to teaching at Equinox and dancing. I was professionally dancing, all that too. And one day I was just teaching a class, and these two producers came in. They took my class, and then a week later, my friend, was, my friend who was a trainer at Equinox said, hey, this woman that came to your class, she wants you to call her. So she called me, and, or I called her, and she said, um, we want you to come into the office to see if, you know, you, we think you'd be great for developing one of our programs. So the first program I went in and developed was Hip Hop Abs, Tilt, Tuck. Tight and breathe from the time I'm done. That's all you'll need. Get hip hop ass all day long, right? So that's a whole thing. I, I had, my stories are so long, but the point I'm saying is, you know, to get into Equinox, I mean, sorry, to get into Beachbody, to prepare for that audition, I called my friends to my garage. I took my sliding mirrors off of my mirror in my bedroom, put them in a garage, and I practiced in my garage the thing that I was going to present the choreography and workout that I was going to present to, to Beachbody. So here's where it became interesting, though. I show up with my friends, and they were like, here's a camera. You have to be yourself. So I'm sitting up there saying, like, why would they, like, why would they have to? T-? I literally was like, why would you have to tell somebody to be yourself? Like, I, didn't under- I really didn't understand. I was like, I'm looking at her like, okay. Like, fuck else you want me to be, right? So then I, <laughs> you're laughing, I'm serious, I was looking at her like, I'm surprised she wasn't like, why are you looking at me like that? But, so I did it, and she was like, have you ever been on camera before? I was like, no. I was like, it was group exercise. It was group exercise and always presenting in front of real people and, and attaching to what people needed and showing up to my class and having it, and never be about me, Right. So then I was able to look at the camera. She was like, well, how do you do that? I was like, well, the camera's a person that needs some motivation. So I was like, I'm just talking to them like they're a person. And before I even left the office, I had my contract in my hand. So, you know, I'm just business-wise, always have a lawyer. But so my, my whole thing is I walked away from there with a contract. But like, again, you know, you keep asking these questions. You make it sound so like whatever. But the, the steps that I took to get there was never forced. I want you guys to like sit on that for a second. Are you forcing yourself to be something and do something? Not that you're not necessarily ready for, but that doesn't necessarily match with your with your roadmap. Because sometimes if you skip a step because you want to get and you see where someone else is, you're doing a detriment to yourself because the step that you skipped is could possibly be the road that you thrive in and while you will continue to move forward, this step that you skipped is a thing where you find your niche, right? So for me, I've, I, never, I never went beyond what I wasn't, not necessarily ready for, because I would never want to tell someone to give up, but I was always in the pocket. Like I was like, this is what, this is what I'm thriving in, and I'm sitting in this for a minute. I'm going to learn as much as I can. So anyway, cut to develop hip-hop abs. It was it be after a month and a half became the number one infomercial for eight months, right? Just dancing, and then, and then I did Rock and Body. Rock and Body was my second dance. They were like, "Oh, this dance program, let's do Rock and Body." Completely tanked. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Infomercial tank, like... We didn't even get out of the testing phase. <laughs> then insanity. Then so, okay, so let me just tell you. Got out, didn't get out of the testing phase. So then I was just still with Beachbody, you know, Hip Hop Ab still doing it. I was like, I, you know, whatever, it was cool. And then I went to a meeting and they wanted to create like a really tough workout. And, um, you know, one of my friends, well, my producer at the time was like, Sean can do it. And Carl was like, he's just the dance guy. I was like, does he know who the fuck I am? Like... <laughs> I taught everything. I've taught everything from kickboxing, spinning, boot camp. Like, I've done it all. And, I, you know, so anyway, he was like, okay, well, if you want to do something with us, if you want to do something in this space, then you show me. So I called on my friends. We went to a dance studio, which is the funny thing. And I created Insanity. And I did one workout. And by the end of the workout, all of my friends were on the floor, except for yours truly. And I sent it to them just like that, though. I didn't edit it so that it was perfect. I sent it to him where all my friends were literally laying on the floor. They were like, this is fucking crazy. And I'm still like, come on, let's go. <laughs> and dying. And then literally, I sent it to him that the next day after it was like just put together. That afternoon, he called me. He was like, it's yours. And the whole thing was, and then I want to talk about the infomercial. So we do the infomercial. We, we shoot the workouts super tough as everyone knows then we're in, so I'm gonna talk about the, the workout so in the workout one time at one point my director was like everyone's like off and she came out she pushed cut and I never get mad on set I was like what the fuck are you doing she's like no one like they're not together I'm like neither are the people at home they're not gonna be together this is hard like I had to like fight to help them understand like this is what I wanted to be because I was sick of people saying like you can drink this for three days and you're gonna have like the best butt in the world it was like so annoying and they were like what so then we shoot the infomercial and then they you know so they're asking me questions so in the infomercial they ask you questions and they're like you know we want you to tell we want you to let we want to know who can do this and so the, the, the answer they're looking for is like every you can do this like everybody can do this and they were like so who's this for I said it's not for a person who's lazy it's not for a person who finds excuses it's only for the person who's ready to take their body to peak physical condition. And that is the line that literally sold it because I was just like sick of people like thinking they could do something easy. Anyway, so that was, you know, that's how Insanity came about. And that was the number one infomercial for just about seven years in a row. Infomercial meaning like makeup. And I'm not like bragging. I'm just saying like that's it. That was Amazing. it. But it was like changing the game and... and but staying, it was who I was. Like, it was athletic. I basically, the way I created Insanity was I took my very first track and field workout. And I said, if I can make people feel like this at home and they continue, they're going to be so fit, but mentally fit, they're going to think they can do anything. And so 
like all like my warm up while workout is all in, entire insanity is all before max 30 is all um, track and field based movements that I created with to try and for people to do it at home so that was such an amazing story thank you thank you guys so much for listening to part one of this podcast with talent hack alex and her team were so incredibly amazing and what's really interesting about that particular day that was actually the first day where in new york city we had to shake hands by elbowing each other and it was a really weird time and just the love and support that was in the room from the other fitness professionals was amazing and while they were fitness professionals everyone in there was about love and upliftment and really just trusting and believing in who they were and really committed to the message that we were talking about so I have so much more to say and so much more to tell you guys. So join me next week for part two. You don't want to miss it because we will continue to trust and believe in who we are.